Welcome to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast, the show where we discuss what it takes to create a sustainable long-term online business in today's fast-moving environment. We talk with industry experts and freelancers alike to find out what it takes to build and manage a location-independent business. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Thank you for joining us. Today's guest is Daniel Hall. Daniel is a freelancer, an author, and has been very successful at using Upwork to help grow his business. Daniel, welcome to the show. Uh, hi, Adam. How are you? Very good. Thanks for joining me. So I guess um, I'm really excited to get talking to you because you have a lot of experience in you know freelancing and running a business. So why don't we just cut straight to it and you know tell me a little bit about yourself and, and your business? Uh, well, basically, uh, I've been a freelancer since oh, about eight eight years now. Uh, essentially, I sort of broke my first million, uh, one million dollars, uh, at the last end of last year. Um, I freelancing Google Ads advertising. I've done a lot of stuff on Upwork, a lot of stuff outside of Upwork. So, um, Upwork is only about three hundred thousand of my, but still, that's still quite a lot of money. So yeah, I, I sort of have people approach me all the time, and I'm, I'm top rated on Upwork. Yeah, and that's that's a stellar. I'll make sure to link to your profile. Um, Dan H is the name. If anybody listening just wants to search, but they'll be in the show notes over at the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. And I think you can click the links now out of Spotify and everything. So I mean, it's 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 easy to link people up. So I guess you know, can we wind it back to like why did you start working online? What was it about working online that appealed to you? Um, and why specifically then did you go into PPC? So my history is quite different than most people. So I basically left university, ended up working for West Ham United Football Club. Uh, was there for a few months. Uh, it's the club I support. And sort of when I was sort of emotionally attached, I sort of got too invested in it. So I decided it was best to leave there. Uh, sort of had an, uh, Google approached me. I put my sort of CV online and they asked me to go to Dublin and have an interview uh, decide, I basically said to them, look, I don't want to be here more than a year. I'd like to transfer back to London after doing my one year because in the sort of forms and sort of the interview specs, they said after a year you can transfer if you like. And uh, the guy sort of having an interview with me said, oh, well, um, do I really want to be training someone up and after a year they leave? And I, I was like, yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm probably not the best fit for you then. And we sort of agreed that there's no point sort of going on with the interview. Uh, which I know sounds quite weird, but I yeah at the time I was quite settled in London, had sort of a, a long-term girlfriend, pets and stuff. But for that interview, I sort of did the exams for Google Ads or Google uh, Google AdWords as it was at the time. So I had sort of a bit of a background sort of knowledge of it just by doing sort of the exam. So I sort of studied for the exams just for this interview. So after that, I started applying for uh, sort of Google Ads management jobs and. Uh, got one in Essex, uh, was there for about a year and then decided that it wasn't for me, not so much Google Ads, but just working for someone else. I was on m maybe about 20000 a year and I'd just done a master's, which had cost me sort of the same amount of money. I'd sort of just given away four years of my life at university, been in lots of education and thought, I'm the only person managing this stuff for this client. He's earning sort of 100,000, 120,000 out of what I'm doing a year. And I'm earning 20,000. If if he can do it, why can't I do it for myself? Um, but it wasn't so much that. It was I wanted to, I wanted something bigger. I didn't want to just be working for someone. So I actually didn't quit to become a freelancer. 
I quit to um, start a startup. So uh, me and a guy there who was a web designer, we'd come up with some ideas and we've designed a landing page. And uh, I actually met with someone called Mark Pearson. He started my voucher codes website and he's sort of very successful. He's worth about 60 million pounds, I think. Um, and he was really a nice guy and we talked about my project and he was basically just saying, we'll get it a bit further along the line and um, then we'll sort of talk again. So uh, I hired a uh, web designer from Upwork. Um, he promised me everything would be completed in 30 days. He gave me a whole sort of a plan on this day is going to be this and this day is going to be this and this will be this and this will be this. And about three months down the line, he wasn't even sort of 25% finished. So I'm sort of sitting at home, sort of twiddling my thumbs, thinking I've got no money left. What am I going to do? So I thought the only thing I can do is sort of get some PPC working, some Google AdWords working. So I started emailing sort of people on uh, Google. So I'll type in random stuff on Google, like I don't know, trainers and horses for sale. and Just just throwing a shotgun out there and seeing where it lands, you know? Yeah, just typing anything that fell into my sort of head, I would type in. And if I see a bad advert, I would go on there. Uh, website find their email address or their contact form and tell them basically look your adverts are not that great i can do them a lot better and sort of design the advert what it would look like i got a few um emails back as you can imagine that weren't complimentary um your, ty- your typical cold emails are like screw you <laughs> yeah yeah so obviously if you're criticizing if, you, if you're criticizing someone especially if uh, you're criticizing someone and they actually have an agency or they have sort of a manager at their company at the moment uh, I got a few back saying, oh, well, uh, X, Y, and Z. And, yeah, it wasn't very nice. But um, I got sort of one hooked, uh, which actually sold horses, which is why I sort of uh, brought that up. And she was my first client. Uh, basically, I think I only earned £600 from her. But I built her campaigns, helped her with some improvements on her website. Um, and, yeah, we only had a part of me for about three or four months. But she was the start, and that sort of that six hundred pound sort of helped a lot. Because <laughs> when you've got, when you've had no money, that sort of really helps. I wasn't getting too many hits. I was getting maybe one or two a month by sort of cold emailing people, and I thought there must be a better way to do this. So I thought it's better to use the freelance websites because um, people are there actively looking for someone, and you're actively looking for work. So approach people that may or may not be looking for something when you know there's a platform where people are looking for people like you. So I signed up to People Per Hour, which I've used before, and I signed up to Elance, which is Upwork now. Um, Upwork basically become, well, Elance became Upwork a few years ago. People Per Hour, I I picked up my first job. It was a bit of consulting. I think it was like £40 an hour just for phone calls here and there. And to be honest, the quality of client on people uh, People Per Hour was quite high. Um, the problem I found was there wasn't many of them. So you might have had 30 or 40 jobs a day on Elance and only two or three per day on people per hour. So um, to build a business on people per hour at that time, I, I don't use it now, so it might be different. But at that, t- at that time, you couldn't really build it because if there's 20 people going for three jobs a day, you'll be lucky to pick up one job a week. But on Elance, there was maybe, I don't know, 30 or 40 people applying for the same jobs when it was 30 or 40 jobs a day. So you were sort of guaranteed to get one or two jobs a day on Elance rather than getting maybe one a week on people per hour. So and what did you do to stand out at that point? You know, like when you were beginning, you didn't have much of a profile. I know this is where a lot of people struggle at the beginning, you know, when you don't have, 
like, you know, as an employer who hires off um, Upwork, you know, one of the first things I do is go to the filters. Must have 100 hours, must have this. Like, yeah. I literally don't, like, respectfully to the people listening, like, if I'm hiring, I typically put those filters in place, and a lot of people will. So what did you do to stand out at the beginning with regards to pitching these people? Um, so basically, uh, the main thing I did was I would link to my blog, and I would say, look, I'm brand new here, but you can see I've been writing a blog for, I know two years I've been writing it. It's not up anymore, but um, at the time it had articles about um, user uh, sort of usability of websites. It had all ideas about uh, sort of Google AdWords, and I don't know if you're that familiar with Google AdWords or Google Ads as it is now, but it's a big thing called uh, Skag, which is sort of um, you put keywords in your own ad, ad groups. Um, that's something I've been doing for sort of nine years now, and something I used to talk about nine years ago, and it's something that you see in sort of blog posts now people say oh you must be doing skag and x y and z and it's like well i was sort of promoting that nine years ago yeah so i sort of tell people to read my blog and i got a hell of a lot of people come to me and say oh i've read your blog yeah it's really good i'd like to give you a go but it wasn't just that um i would sort of avoid the people who uh, wanted a new account built i would sort of approach people who had an account and i would say okay um I'm prepared to look at your account for free, tell you where you're going wrong, audit it. And if you'd like to use me, use me. If not, you've got some free advice here. Um, so I wouldn't actually do the job for free, uh, which I don't advocate doing anything for free if there's actual job there, but actually doing an audit to win, in, to win the job. Yeah, so kind of like like a prospect, and I know a lot of SEOs will do this, where after you've got that person engaged and they're like, oh, okay, maybe let's talk about this more. Maybe you'll make a little five-minute video audit of like, you know, you load up Ahrefs or whatever, and you'll kind of be like, here's you, here's your rankings, here's your keywords, here's your competitors, here's a couple of ideas I have. If you want me to move forward, I will, because it's, it's a small investment of your time in terms of you already have the knowledge. You just kind of need to present it to them in a way that, oh, this this person looks like you know they know what they're talking about maybe i will hire them yeah exactly so i was quite lucky that most of the people going on to sort of elance at the time or upwork now um their accounts were really bad so i could pick out maybe 10 or 20 things they were doing bad and things that they could sort of change within five minutes one setting they could change that could sort of i don't know reduce their cost per lead by a pound or whatever yeah i was able to sort of do a lot of that and there wasn't one oh, i've never ever done an audit where i haven't actually picked up the work so that worked for me when I first started. And something I sort of tell people is the first 10 sort of jobs you get on Upwork, I think it's very hard to win. So even if you've got two or three feedbacks, people look at that and think, well, we've only got three feedback. I, I can't really trust that. And um, you might only have sort of eight feedbacks. I, I think sort of 10 is the sort of tipping point where people start to think, okay, well, if he's done 10 jobs and he's got 100% feedback out of 10 jobs, he obviously knows what he's doing. Um, so... For those first 10, I sort of did the audit. So, I, yeah, I was sort of linking to my blog, etc., and sort of really going for the job. So not much lower, but I would sort of bid a bit lower than I do now and just really put everything in to win the work. Um, once I sort of had them 10 feedbacks, I found it a lot easier because people actually start approaching you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they'll start, <laughs> like you'll start doing the invites, isn't it? As the employer, you start going, oh, this person, like you're saying, based on the rating and feedback, you're like, yep, you look like the sort of person I'd like to hire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as I say, at the time, you can't do it now, but you could see exactly who you were bidding against. This used to be quite cool. So there used to be a guy who was ex-Google who would apply on every job. There was an agency from London, like two guys, 
and another agency from Brighton that were two guys that used to be on every job and sort of they were sort of the main ones that used to appear but you'd sort of see maybe 20 people applying on sort of each job and you sort of um, got to understand what they were doing what their business was and I, I say it's obviously a lot more competitive now than it was back sort of seven eight years ago but at the time you'd say okay well if this guy's gone for that job and he's won that then the next day he won't be applying for this job so even if you couldn't win a job going completely against them you know that well he's picked up a bit of work here he won't have time to do this one as well so coming in the next day going full tilt <laughs> yeah yeah basically and that sounds stupid but that was what i would do i'd say okay well the ex-google guy who everyone was sort of wanted just because he had the name google in his sort of profile um if, if he was off the site for two or three days i would make sure i sort of blasted it in them two or three days and i'd pick up lots of work and then i wouldn't need to pick up work for a week or two and then hopefully by the time i'm a, i'm looking for work again he's not looking for work so it was quite good in that respect um i so say you can't do that now how to put in your profile i got offered a job at google but i turned it down <laughs> Yeah, how that would have <laughs> So yeah, basically, um, now I don't really apply for that much. I get most offered to me, and something that a lot of people are surprised about is I turn most work down. So I maybe get offered four or five jobs a day, um, and maybe pick up one a week, just because I don't like the quality of the client. Um, so I'll give an example. This was actually back in the Elance days. Um, a guy sort of approached me and said, um, will you sort of manage my uh, Google Ads for me? I looked at his website and he was selling like musical equipment and renting musical equipment. I uh, looked at his site and it was absolutely dreadful. And I said, look, I'm not, I can't do this for you. Uh, your website's dreadful. Um, you'll just waste money if you go ahead. Improve your website. It, will, might, it might cost you $500, $1,000, whatever. Improve your website, come back to me, and then we can talk again. He gets upset. He says, oh, well, everyone I've spoken to said my website's fine. Why can everyone else, other uh, people see freelancer do it by yourself? And I was like, well, you someone else. I said, I'm giving you advice. If you don't want to take it, don't take it. So uh, a few months down the line, he emails me again on Upwork. Oh, I've now spent $17,000. haven't made one sale. Uh, I've used several freelancers. Um, can, you do my, can you do my pay-per-click for me? And I said, well, you haven't changed your website. I told you the exact same thing that I told you then. This will not work, so come back to me if you don't want to make changes. And again, the guy, I don't know, he just spent $17,000, hasn't made a sale, still did not believe me, went away, used, used a different freelancer, come back a few months later, asked me again, and I was like, you, you're not getting this. I've told you twice now. So, yeah, you get a lot of people like that um, that don't want to take advice. And um, if I can look at a website straight away and know if that will work or not. So I can bring the best quality traffic in the world to a website, but if a person can't check out correctly, if the pictures are bad, if the content's bad, I won't get a sale, so it makes me look bad. So I only take on jobs that I know will work, um, which, especially on Upwork, uh, your feedback is everything. You get one bad feedback and suddenly you're not the the guy anymore. Um, So I sort of avoid jobs I know will not work, this is going to sound really, really stupid, um, but I avoid most people that ask for, for a phone call, um, which I probably I bet you haven't heard before. But no, typically it's get them on the phone so you can close. So yeah, yeah, most people want the phone calls. So I try to avoid them because what I've found is someone that wants a phone call um, want, will end up wanting phone calls regularly. 
So they are the people that will take a lot of your time. If, if, I, if I get someone who, okay, like your profile, work for me, I'll get maybe one message a month, two messages a month, and that takes me maybe five, ten minutes to deal with. I'll get the guy out who wants a phone call. This is because PPC is more like, leave me alone, let me do my thing. I understand what we're trying to do here. It's not about you trying, you needing to explain yourself and why you're doing everything to that client. Is that what it will be? Yes, exactly. So, um, whereas I've actually got a guy at the moment um, who only sort of agreed to take his call because he's spending quite a bit of money. But ever since I've sort of had him, I'm getting 15 emails a day. I'm getting, oh, I need a weekly call, X, Y, and Z. And um, I found a big correlation between the people that want calls being the ones that need a holding hand and want want to sort of uh, have lots of input and want to sort of do things their way. And yeah, just it's just obviously, as you know, as a freelancer, sort of time is money. So I sort of avoid people that I think are going to take a lot of my time. I actually had one guy, I, I burst out a lot of, two recently um one sort of messaged me and said oh i'd love you to do my uh sort of sort of manage my account um i'm very hands-on i know exactly what i want so i sort of straight away was like no thank you you know what i'll do it yourself <laughs> yeah so yeah exactly and i actually i do tell a few people that um because you do get people who suddenly read a blog and why are we not doing this and why we're we not doing that so you have to explain yourself um but so I had that and I had another guy who messaged me last week and he was like, oh, I'm putting the A team together. Um, I don't have any clients yet, um, but I think we're going to be sort of the biggest company in the UK, blah, 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 blah. And then straight away you think, well, you haven't got a client. Like you're sort of making big promises and I sort of don't deal with people that make sort of big promises like that. Um, sort of they never transpire. Um, so so I say going on Upwork, sort of gone on a bit of a tangent there, but uh, – yeah, I sort of uh, going on Upwork. I sort of yeah got the first ten feedbacks, and now most people approach me. Um, the only time I will approach anyone else is if I see a very very good job there. I will look every single day to see if there are sort of jobs available. So even at this level of experience and this long working on there, you are still looking at opportunities that come up. I do, yeah. Only since December, um, so there was a three year period where I completely left Upwork. Um, which I'll talk about in a minute. But, um, yeah, every single day I look if there's any opportunities. Um, so I manage Toys R Us at the moment. Um, it's sort of relaunched in Australia and New Zealand where I manage it. I believe it's relaunched in America as well. But I just manage it in Australia and New Zealand. The guy I actually met, he started a, a, pardon me, a hobby shop in Australia. A few years later, he's now bought out the Toys R Us brand. And he was from Upwork. So you do get some good quality clients on there. Absolutely. I mean, it's the global standard, really, isn't it, for hiring freelancers? It's where a lot of people go first, uh, even big companies, you know. Um, it is, yeah. And I've actually seen Upwork themselves try to hire people on there. But <laughs> I, I, was, I was going to um, apply for the job, but surprisingly, they were paying stupidly low rates. So. <laughs> well, they take 20% of your cut, too. So, I mean, they're yeah, so. Making, uh, you know, making their money now. I thought like the prestige would be quite good just to say in your profile, well, I actually do a PPC for Upwork, but they were paying something like $12 an hour and I wasn't going to sort of accept that. So 
um, I didn't sort of take the opportunity on. So, so did, did you niche down? I guess like this is kind of my next my next thought here on all of this is like you know you mentioned Toys R Us, which you know is an e commerce brand. Like, did you during your your period um, of using Google Ads, did you niche down, or do you feel that you know you can if you can do Google Ads, you can do Google Ads. It doesn't matter if it's e commerce, um, if it's selling a course, if it's doing local business services, you know. I did niche down, which is ironic. I niched away from e-commerce. Um, so I sort of took on a few e-commerce companies. Um, one ended up being a bad payer and um, sort of had to take him to court and stuff. And then it's just too much work, e-commerce, for sort of the money you earn. It's just too much work. So I a, lot of ads, from... a lot of ads involved. Yeah, so there are there is software out there. like uh, There's a piece of software called Blue Winston, which sort of can automate a lot of that. But... Um, I sort of stay away from e-commerce and I get a lot of angry sort of people messaging me as well. well I want you to do my e-commerce and I say, sorry, I unless it's sort of over 5,000 uh, like, like pounds in spend. So I get, I charge 10%. So I would make 500 pound a month off of that. Which is still not a lot of money for the amount of work that goes into managing, you know, 5,000 worth of ads. It'd be multiple assets when yeah, it comes well, to uh, e-commerce versus like, I'm a plumber in London and I want business. Like, you know what I mean? Like the amount of ad sets that it will be. Yes, exactly. So I sort of um, do a lot of white labeling for clients and that's the reason why I sort of left Upwork um, like previously, just because I had so much sort of agency stuff come in. So, but one of my clients uh, charges a hundred percent management fee. So um, for me to charge 10% and I've sort of got the feedback and that, and he charges sort of 100, that's sort of a, yeah, you can sort of see um, sort of how low my sort of prices are. Um, but I've got other agencies that sort of the standard industry is about 30%. I sort of always see myself as being 10% just because I'm a freelancer. So people tend to go to freelancers on the basis that they're lower priced. Yeah, lower than the agency because you have less overheads, you don't have an office yeah, so and everything else. Exactly. So, and, and it also gives you an opportunity, like something you hit on there that I, I think is really important. Um, and a lot of freelancers miss this opportunity is to partner with agencies and white label your service. Um, you know, in, in episode one, I spoke with Carlo and like, you know, they do a lot of work like this for agencies in terms of content creation and stuff like this where, you know, I'm an e-commerce store owner. I pay the agency. The agency outsourced the writing to a freelancer, you know, and the agency just puts their markup on it and includes it in the budget. So, you know, you said you kind of stepped away from Upwork because you were getting so much work referred to you by these agencies. So do you think that's a good way for freelancers, be it PPC, be it writing, be it SEO, to grow their portfolio of clients? If you would have asked me two or three years ago, I would have said yes, definitely. There's sort of certain downsides to working with agencies so the upside the upsides are um you get a constant stream of work uh, as i say i came off of upwork because i just had too much work i could cope with so getting any more from upwork sort of i just physically wouldn't have been able to do it with agencies you also find another benefit is that um a, sort of if i'm taking on a new client and x y and z they ask lots of different questions the agency owner will sort of deal with the client directly opposed to me and he'll I'll sort of reply to him and after he's heard the same answer two or three times whenever a client asks that he'll be able to answer it directly so you actually end up in a relationship where the agency owner is sort of being a sort of a field in the email so they'll say well I don't have to ask Dan that question because he's already answered it 10 times it's the same answer all the time so I'll just give the client that answer so 
it gets to a point where they understand what you do. They start to understand it and you get a lot less emails and it just becomes an easy relationship to have. Um, with a new client, I always produce sort of a document that has a list of questions, a list of answers. It tells exactly what I've done, why I've done it and what's going to happen going forward uh, to try to uh, reduce as many sort of questions as I can. But with the agency relationship, alongside doing that, the regular questions that will come up that are not on that sheet, the agency owners have actually asked that, sort of, sort of answered that for the uh, client. So that's very good. And so you make friends with these agency owners and, yeah, it just becomes... Um, and they also do a lot of like what I would call the grunt work in terms of like they're doing the proposals, they're doing the pitches, they're doing, you know, yeah, what I mean? they're managing a lot of it. They only come to you when like the person is sold, they've given them, they've agreed to pay, you just got to deliver on the work. And and that's where there's a power in, in um, you know, becoming affiliated with some of these agencies where they can you know, send you to work essentially and remove like a lot of times people struggle with the proposals, with the pitching, with, you know, that side of the business. And this is when joining or becoming a part of an agency in terms of the think of you when they want to outsource some of the work that, you know, it's a powerful position to be in and a good position to be in as a freelancer sometimes. It is definitely. Um, as you say, save you a lot of time. You don't have to do any selling whatsoever. You're, you, I would sit there and I'll get five or six sort of jobs coming for a week and just, can you do this? Here's the, sort of proposal here is what you need to do when you when can you get it done so say okay well i can get it done by next thursday and that just become my life there was no uh having to pitch there was no having to uh, meet clients there was no anything like that a lot of the sort of emails were being covered that sort of the client themselves um so yeah for me it's become quite easy so let's talk a little bit about what, you know, you, you mentioned that you ended up getting too much, like, you know, all of a sudden agencies are referring, you have your Upwork. And I imagine if you keep rejecting everything on Upwork, eventually they go, well, we're going to stop recommending you. Um, I don't I don't know if the algorithm works like that. That's a massive assumption on my part. But like, if you're on there, you have a profile and you just keep don't, you don't take work. Like I imagine something must. Now I probably get at this moment in time, sort of it, it depends on a month because sort of certain August is always a bad month for sort of everyone's on uh, vacation so you don't get much in uh, August and you don't get much in December because people are for Christmas and stuff like that but so it depends on the month but a month like September I'm getting maybe two or three people a day find me and sort of interview me for sort of ask me to interview me during my time off of Upwork the first sort of six months I was getting sort of the same but last year when I wasn't on there I was getting maybe two or three a month so i you obviously still appear but you obviously appear lower down the rankings um so that's why it, it become quite hard for me when i actually got back on the site so you'd actually think okay well i've got i know at that time two hundred thousand i'd made on my profile um i had say 150 different feedbacks and stuff um so you'd think it would have been quite easy to transition back into that but it wasn't um i wasn't obviously wasn't appearing up the top and and people wasn't finding me and people were saying to me, well, you haven't done a job in three years, like where have you been and stuff. So getting back on there was actually quite hard. Um, and I actually began taking on clients that I would never normally take on. So like I said earlier, like the people that wanted the phone calls, the people that seemed like they'd be aggravation, I sort of had to sort of take them on again just to get a few recent feedbacks. 
this has come up before as well with, with some other freelancers on here saying that like, you know, when you're talking about showing up higher in the rankings, that'll be based on completing jobs and accepting jobs as well. Like that being a factor that contributes to this. So like you're saying, taking a three year break, even with amazing feedback, somebody who's maybe made 10 grand, but has taken, you know, a lot of smaller jobs recently, they would feel that maybe that's the better person to recommend because they're being active. So you know, coming back in, you had to, you had to do this. You had to just take, take some jobs really and get your, you know, whether you like the, the niche, the client, the industry, you just had to get your, you know, get, get some momentum going again on the platform. And did, did, did it take you long? Do you think? Um, so, I, so I got back on there in December. Um, I won two or three jobs pretty soon, but I was applying for like, a lot of jobs at that time. And then by sort of February, I was able to sort of pick and choose again. Yeah, I say the initial, I know it sounds stupid because I actually picked up some work, but if you're getting three jobs out of, I don't know, say 100 you've applied for, whereas you're used to picking up 20, 25 off of 100 you apply for, it's sort of a, yeah, it was quite a sort of drop. Um, and I'll say the ones that I was winning was the ones that I'd normally avoid. So it was probably the ones that everyone else was saying no to. Did you ever consider, like, you know, building your own little team and, and training people up? Because, you know, yeah, just curious, like when you were, you know, you obviously have the capacity and the skill set to um, deliver on this sort of stuff and you're getting more and more work. Did that thought ever cross your mind or do you prefer to have control over the situation? I get asked this a lot. And um, one of my friends who's not that great at business and he's always saying to me, well, you should be doing an agency. You should be doing an agency. And for me, there's two reasons why I don't. Um, one, sort of obviously my business is built off of myself. So a lot of people come to me because they want me working on their stuff. They can see the feedback I have. They don't want me to be outsourcing to someone else, even though I can say, look, well, I'm overseeing it. I will still have input, but someone else is doing the work. They're like, well, no, we're hiring a freelancer because we want that person to do the work. So my reputation would sort of become a bit, not completely worthless, but slightly worthless because it's you're, you're basing the reputation on someone running the company rather than the person doing the work. And the other reason was... Again, it's going to sound quite funny. I don't actually enjoy Google Ads, so um, I don't actually enjoy what I do. So um, I enjoy the money. I don't enjoy the actual work. So uh, for me, I say how I got into freelancing, what, as I explained earlier, was sort of I did it because I needed the money at the time. And because I was earning so much money, I continued to do it. But it's it's not actually the long-term goal to continue sort of um, doing sort of Google Ads management. So I'm sort of branching out into sort of becoming an author and trying to write other books and stuff. So, yeah, until I found something that makes me the same amount of money, I'll continue to do it. But it's not something I want to do long term. And again, that sounds stupid because I've done it for eight years, but I spent eight years trying to find something different. So, well, I mean, you could always put try and put your knowledge into a course and sell that too, you know? Um, yeah, I actually did. I, um, I did a Udemy one a few years ago. And uh, at that time, I, I'd only just started out and I, I think I'd made my, I think it was the first year that I'd sort of broke the 100,000 like for the year. Um, and I'd sort of done it as like, oh, learn how I, I sort of made 100,000 for the year. And I think I got two sales. So, um, oh, yeah, not no. that great. So, uh, <laughs> well, fair enough. Like it's hard. I guess there's a whole process to building and launching and selling courses. Um, you know, it's it's not an easy thing to do. And anyone who says it is is probably selling you a course. Um, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, no, no but look, let's talk about the but... like the authorship. So you've written um, two books, and there's another one launching as well. Yeah, so um, the ones I wrote before were 
sort of I sort of put my name to them. But essentially, what I did was got lots of different people from Upwork and paid them I know hundred dollars each to sort of have a sort of a, a list of answers and questions. Um, so it would be an SEO team and say, okay, well, what would you be your top recommendations to do for SEO? And it'd be a web design. What would you, um, what would you, I know, what would your best user experience tip be and stuff like that? And it was just different questions like, on, on a business perspective. And then I did the same on a sort of freelancing perspective where I got lots of people to sort of answer questions about their freelance journey. So a bit similar to sort of this podcast, but in book form. And that was about, I don't know, five, six years ago now. Um, and then at Christmas time last year, I, I just sort of decided that, look, I've been moaning about not enjoying what I do for a while. Um, let's try and sort of get into other stuff. People, there's obviously millions of freelancers out there. Um, everyone wants to have earned good money. I've earned over a million dollars as a freelancer. So why don't I tell people how I've made that million dollars as a freelancer? Um, so I've basically gone through sort of step by step, explained why. I've written a book. Um, I've explained why you might want to read a book. I've explained how you get jobs, how you get a, how you get a job on Upwork, how you get jobs outside of Upwork, um, how you keep clients happy, um, and even the mental side of it. So I was, I'm not going to lie, I was quite struggling at the end of last year. Um, and so I've, I've brought in little changes to my life this year that I sort of mentioned in the book. So I would always like read my emails the second I woke up, and I've got clients in Australia which probably 80% of my clients are Australian. So um, I was waking up to 15, 20 emails a day, which I still do. And if you get that many emails and say three or four of them are bad emails, you wake up in a bad mood immediately. Uh, I would sort of lay in bed, read this, get out of bed, be angry, get on the laptop or the computer. And uh, it wasn't just a great start to the day. So. No, absolutely not. It's, it's important to put those filters in place to try and <laughs> save yourself. <laughs> It is, yeah. So now I sort of, um, I don't check my phone for the first half an hour. I sort of spend time with my son. I sort of have breakfast and I sort of ease myself into the day um, and sort of wake myself up. I found it's just a lot easier to deal with things when, when you're awake. So I found in the evenings as well, just something similar that like, um, you know, I, I turn off all notifications for email, um, even Facebook Messenger, everything off my phone now, because I was finding similar to that you might get a notification at 11 o'clock at night and the next thing you're lying in bed thinking about it and you're not exactly, yeah. affecting your quality uh, of sleep, which affects your work the next day. So it's important, I think, to set some filters around what you will and won't do, you know, especially as a freelancer, because it never ends. You know I mean? You might've been pitching, you might've been messaging somebody on Facebook and now they want to talk with you. And, you know, you never know, you never get away from it really, which can affect you. Yeah, exactly. And I was even going on holiday and sort of still working on holiday, which I still reply to emails now, but, I was physically working, like so. Someone would say to me, "Only next one's head done," and I'd be in India, sort of out there to go and watch the cricket. And next thing I know, I'm having to sort of do an hour or two hours worth of work. Whereas now, I will say, "Look, I'm on holiday. I'm not doing it." Um, whereas I, I'd always f- felt worried to say that before, but I think people do understand. I, I think it's more yourself thinking that they won't understand. So yeah, I actually give myself breaks now, which. I hardly recommend, which I know sounds stupid. Course, no, look, I, I, I've been um, there, done that. You know, I completely... Yeah, and sort of not, not, I never used to have weekends and things like that. And now I actually enjoy my weekends. And on a Friday night, that's me finishing. On a Monday morning, that's me back. So you just you need to actually sort of de-stress and you need to sort of uh, refresh yourself, which I was never doing. And 
after a while it would sort of get to breaking point so there's a lot i've wrote in the book about sort of the mental issues and sort of the mental sort of improvements you can make as well um which i think a lot of people fall into them because obviously yourself you've said you've fallen into that trap and i've spoken to others who've also fell into that trap so for me um i sort of make a big point in the last chapter that yes earning money is great but it's not the most important thing sort of being happy is more important than the money which i know everyone that earns money says that and it's oh yeah you can say that because you've earned that money but i think that a lot of people chase money and it's never enough so you make a hundred thousand a year you you then need to earn 120 and once you made 120 you need to make 150 and it's you're never never happy chasing that money um you just need to sort of find where you're happy and sort of just chase that happiness instead and for me i'm now sort of reducing my workload and sort of reducing how much i can earn just because i'd rather earn 30 grand a year less or 40 grand a year less just because i want to have holidays i want to enjoy my weekends and i want to be happy whereas before i was just putting everything into my business and it's not happy it's not sort of a healthy for relationships either so no i i I totally agree but i guess as a freelancer and as you progress and get to you know a, a mature stage of your career which you will be in having been a freelancer now for eight years you know, you can reduce the hours you work and increase your rate. And like you're saying, pick and choose more who you work with. And and over time, you know, work like you're saying, work less, but do, um, you know, be paid more for the work that you're doing and, and get paid um, better. Therefore, you know, improving your work life, work life quality over time. And, and something I sort of always tell people to do and tell freelancers to do, and it's how I built my business was taking on the small clients. So, I would rather have uh, 200 small clients earning me £100 a month or £50 a month or £20 a month because you've then got a sort of a stable stream of income and if you lose one, it makes no effect to your business. So if I lose a client that's earning me £20 a month, that makes no difference to my life. If I lose a client earning me £5,000 a month, it makes a big difference. But I've always built my business that way and now I've sort of gone the opposite opposite way because I feel like... um, I've got to a stage where I don't want to be working as much anymore. I'm now taking more risks and I'm taking on the bigger clients. So I'm now doing the Toys R Us, whereas in the past I I would have actually turned it down. And um, I'm, I've got sort of a only last week I've got one like it's one of the Fortune 100 companies. So um, it's white labeling for a client in Australia, um, but that's quite a huge spend. Brilliant. That's <laughs> where you want to be. <laughs> I'm I'm just going to sort of uh, aiming for the big stuff now and I'm trying to get rid of the little stuff. So, yeah, so if I haven't got 100 people emailing me a day, well, instead I've got five people emailing me. Um, I'm now going for the sort of higher risk of sort of um, losing stuff, but um, just making my general life better. I mean, I get what you say. This is, I mean, it's very relative in the SEO world where people who work with, um, especially local SEO clients, you know, when people start out, I know in America, they're always like, oh, try and get somebody a $1,000 a month or $500 a month. Or, you know, even in Ireland, it might be like 300 euro a month for like a small local business. And you'll build up a little portfolio of these. But, you know, after a period of time, you know, one or two things happens. Either everything's running smoothly and you'll always have a churn rate, no matter what your business is. It'll always be a percentage of people who, you know what I mean, just stop paying you for their services or something. So there's always going to be a bit of a process there but yeah you know as you get more confident as you get more skilled you you tend to be 
you tend to go for those bigger clients because instead, you know, you, you start to have this mindset of, well, what if one client paid me as much as having 10 small ones? That's a lot less headaches over time. But then, like you're saying, the risk in terms of if that client then pulls out, it, it's a much bigger risk to your bottom line. So it's about having the systems in place where you can, I guess, mitigate that or at least plan for it should it happen. Yeah. So going back to sort of negatives of working with agencies, um, as I say, I've built my business on the security of always working with small clients that if I lost one, it wouldn't make any difference to my life. But then last year, um, it sort of happened that all my agencies at the same time, something happened with them. So um, I had one guy who was bringing me, I don't know, I need three or four accounts a month, but still a steady stream of sort of clients for years and years. And he uh, decided he wanted to go into mortgage broking rather than being an agency owner anymore. So still had his clients that he had, but he brought no new clients in. So that was like a stop of uh, income stream. Uh, Another or two clients both had children. They basically took a break from their businesses. So um, you're sort of reliant on what the agency owner does in their life. Um, Had another client uh, called Jerry who I had for seven years who – I was basically one of my first clients and he had just one client to start with and he built up to about, and I'd say 40 or 50 clients and I was earning about 7,000 Australian dollars a month out of him. So I think it translated to about 4,000 pounds at the time. But I was earning quite a bit from him. I went to Australia for the Ashes uh, last, not last Christmas, the Christmas before. I met him out there and I uh, was speaking to him for quite a while and we got on really well. And I say we'd effectively been friends and, he knew that I just bought a, a big new house that had quite a big mortgage on and I had a baby being due in March and he was going through some problems and he was sort of um, trying to grow his business even more. And So we had these discussions and he promised me that he's going to get X, Y and Z clients and he's now working with someone who owns most of the uh, McDonald's franchises in Australia and because of that he knows all these different businessmen and we was going to, we was going to get super, super rich and all that sort of stuff. And then uh, it gets to May, and uh, without warning, he just took away my access to his accounts and said, I want you to reduce your rate by half. I want you to charge 5%, otherwise I'm going to use software. And um, it was, as I say, it was just about out of the blue. We were working together for seven years. We had a perfect relationship, always got good results. Um, he's promised me the world, and next thing I know, overnight, he just sort of took the access away. And um, as you can imagine, I'm not going to do sort of half the work for – the same amount of work, uh, half the money for the same amount of work. So um, I said no, but to sort of lose four grand overnight was quite a big kick in the teeth, especially when, as I say, I just got a new mortgage and a kid born and stuff. Yeah, so. that's a horrible situation to be in. I nearly have a pain in my stomach hearing that. Saying, it, it was annoying because I built my business on small clients that I don't have that risk. And by being with an agency that started from one small client, it sort of built over years and years and years that, you, you don't realize you're getting caught in a trap. And I say, I sort of lost that. And then I had another client who uh, was an American guy and he fell out with his business partner uh, last year as well. So they split their company in half and I got some of the clients and he got some of the clients. So yeah, I sort of lost half of my clients that, from his because um, he fell out with a business partner. I've had another client who was earning me about £3,000 a month. He got arrested on a sexual charge last year. Over, like put in prison, uh, put in prison overnight, and that's his business gone. So uh, yeah, I sort of like one in one year, I had all these agencies things going wrong, and uh, I was like, oh my god, like I can't believe it. And 
where I was earning, I think my best ever month was £21,000. Uh, it went down to about 9000 which I know is still great, but I've got sort of a, when you earn a lot of money, you spend a lot of money. So I've got quite a lot, quite a lot of bills. So yeah, that was quite stressful, just having sort of, I say, a huge mortgage, a new kid and all this stuff to pay for. And, and and that's when you really wanted to push back into using the, you know, the marketplaces, is it? Yeah, so I went back to Upwork and I sort of now stay away from agencies. Uh, as I say, like previously I recommended them like anything, but I say you can't control what's happening in other people's lives. So a guy gets arrested, you've lost it. A guy decides that he wants to try a bit of software, you've lost it. Uh, a guy falls out with his business partner, you've lost it. I've had like the business coach I mentioned earlier who charges 100% management fee. He, um, I had one client who was absolutely terrible who I'd never take on myself and if I did take him on I would have got rid of him immediately because he was just so much hard work he was constant every single day email 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 and I sort of told this sort of uh, business coach how bad he was and oh you're fine you're fine you're fine and it's it's yeah you're fine because it's me dealing with this guy and not you um and and, and then uh after a few months I'm getting really really good results for him and then he has a falling out with a business coach and we lose him as a client so I've got to a stage where I've actually made this guy happy after months and months and months of him being a bit of an idiot. And then I lose the client because my agent, like the sort of the affiliate I'm dealing with, has fallen out with the client. So, um, yeah, you're not in control of your clients if it's for an an agency. Um, And it's not just that. It's um, the stress you have working with an agency. So, as I say, they will take on clients who – you don't want to work with but you can't say no because you say no to that then they'll be like okay well we don't want to work with you anymore because this is, we're going to bring on clients like this so you have to work with clients you, you wouldn't normally want to take on say you get a client who's unhappy about something or they want to leave suddenly that puts the other clients you have with that agency in jeopardy because suddenly they're thinking okay well if this client's unhappy like why should i keep working with you so it's sort of like a it's a lot more stress involved than sort of working with clients directly so if you have a client earning you 50 pound a month and you lose him and oh well we've lost 50 quid but if you work with an agency and you lose a 50 pound a month and but that 50 pound a month's caused so much aggravation at the agency that suddenly your two thousand a month is is now uh sort of at risk it, it's just um yeah it's stress you don't really need to be honest and to say so taken away from this because i guess you've you've done both really well you know if if a freelancer is listening to this and you know they're 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 up there they're freelancing they're wanting to, to do better i guess where what do you think is the best advice is it to maybe do a bit of both um to, to grow your business or is it to like try and stick specifically with you know the end customer uh, versus working with agencies what do you think is ideal i think it depends on your motivation uh, i think if your motivation is money I'd go with agencies because if you have 10 agencies, you have 10 salesmen, you have 10 people going out there getting new clients every day of the week, You your business will grow like so quickly. But if you want to be happy, <laughs> I'd say go through. Less sort of, stress. Cool. Yeah, if, if you want a less stressful life, yeah, just go direct and sort of use up work, find your own clients. So I say it's a trade-off. Obviously, the, the world we live in, everyone wants money, so – the majority of people will go for the agency route just because that's where you're going to earn your most money. And a key a 
key caveat here as well is that you know you delivered the work you weren't farming out the work where some other yeah. like you know specific i just content just comes to mind or even link building where like you know people often work with agencies but like you don't deal you know if i'm selling content to an agency in the uk it's not me writing the content yeah, like, yeah. i have somebody else and i just have a markup on them and then the agency has a markup on me and so long as everything is of a good quality and everything is delivered on time the world keeps spinning you know what I mean? Yeah, and something like that, yeah. you can scale. But when you're talking about you actually individually, the person are delivering on all work that comes through, you know, you, you're you're putting, a, you know, there's a capacity at the end of the day, really. You have mm-hmm. a, a limited capacity and a limited bandwidth. And as well, I mean, in, in a way, a limited motivation. Like, like you're saying, money is motivating to a point. But then when you're working 16 hours a day and seven days a week, all of a sudden, it's not necessarily about the money because your you're head is right, you know, and you're sick and you're sore. And, you know, all of a sudden, this dream life you created is driving you around the bend. So... You know, I, I think that's that's a big differentiator here, maybe between, you know, somebody who, who's listening who maybe I mean, look, we get a lot of freelancers, but also agency owners. So I guess it kind of depends which side of the fence you fall on, really. Yeah. Um, look, Daniel, it's uh, it's been a great episode. I've enjoyed it, especially all the stories you have about clients. It sounds like you went through uh, quite a unique storm last year in, ter- yeah, in terms of people leaving but look you know what this is it's it's inspiring and uh, you know it, it's good for people to hear that you know this is the reality of it i've been through similar situations myself clients not paying you working with agencies google update happens all of a sudden they don't need content anymore because they were black hat seo on certain things and you know anyway look, <laughs> i have a whole other situation on that with, with regards <laughs> posting but like i i completely get where you're coming from where overnight you know you can have a number of different uh clients and then you work and then it just dries up because something happens um and you know it's not a situation any freelancer likes to be in and you know when you when you're in there I guess the best thing to do is just try your best not to go into desperation mode and, you know, just, you know, lower your rates exponentially and take anything you can get, but try and maintain your rates and, and, but be consistent and just, you know, go back into sales mode. You know what I mean? Like pitch, pitch, pitch prospect. Yeah, exactly. So get, get those new clients on board and, and then you can, you'll start to build momentum again, you know, cause when agencies are sending you work, you get a bit complacent, you know, in terms of you're not pitching, you're not prospecting, you're not, you're not in sales mode you're you're kind of in you know delivery mode so yeah exactly so what i found at the end of last year sort of i've built my business back up to probably 90% of what it was sort of at the start of last year so i'm back where i need to be but um what i'd found is i was out of the sort of pitching game for so long that i, I was sort of scared i know it sounds stupid but i had this 100% feedback on upwork that i sort of used as a sort of bit of a shield that if anyone criticize me look i've got 100 percent feedback don't criticize me um and i didn't want to go back on there because i was like oh what if i go on there and i get a bad feedback suddenly i can't use that shield anymore um but luckily i've been able to go back on there and this year I've, every single one's been sort of 100 and i haven't had problems but um i sort of should have gone on there like sort of august time last year may time when all that stuff was happening but i sort of only waited until december just because i was worried about going back on there and so when i first started Back on there, I know obviously I hadn't pitched for years and stuff, but I was sort of editing my sort of proposals every single day because I was testing this isn't working and this isn't working and this isn't working. And I kept, kept testing until I found something that worked and I sort of kept that proposal now that I know it works. But what I've always done in the past as well is um, if something stops working, sort of then test stuff again and try and change stuff and 
whatever. So yeah, it was sort of a sort of a whole new sort of learning experience again last year because I didn't have the sort of pitches that I put together on Enance years ago. Um, I had to sort of start from scratch and write up why someone would want to work with me and stuff. And it, it sort of goes into a different conversation here where people say you shouldn't have sort of blanket proposals, which I sort of have proposals that are sort of 80% built. So it will say, this is my experience that I've pre-written. This is my, I don't know, um, what I'm going to help you with. And then I'll sort of do the other, the rest of the proposal, sort of I'll hire whatever your name is, and then I'll sort of cater it towards their job. So say their job is, I don't know, an e-commerce company. As I say, I don't really take on e-commerce, but uh, if it was an e-commerce company, um, I said, okay, well, I see you sell, uh, sell shoes. I can see that your average price is, um 15 pound okay if we target the low-end customers here and um, we sort of have lower bids blah, blah blah so i'll sort of have most of my proposals pre-written but then i'll sort of every single proposal will be unique to that uh, potential client so yeah basically just writing up the sort of core proposals was quite hard and getting that to work again and as i say yeah it's quite a scary process because it's like you're starting again and um yeah, it did take a few months so. yeah, and, and look having those core proposals this is something that you do before you're getting clients, before, you know, this is almost like your homework, you know, like you're saying, why would I work with you? Okay. So, you, you know, you do your core proposals, a couple of templates. I use text expander. I absolutely love it. It's a free web application for anybody who, who does, who's listening, who maybe, you know, you could save these in, in there and you just hit like a short code, like exclamation, exclamation, and boom, it pre-fills all the text onto the page um, for you. So, I mean, and and then just looking for, I mean, a lot of people will have something like a, a keyword in the job description, like, you know, mention soup to know that I actually, actually yeah, yeah, read yeah. my, and you'd be amazed, like, you know, any website that's like given tips about outsourcing will always say include a keyword. And if they don't include the keyword in the reply, just ignore them. So you could have a brilliant profile, have a brilliant proposal. You could be really good at what you do, but you didn't pay attention to detail and therefore the person won't even take you on to the interview stage. I, I know this both from being a freelancer and hiring because it's something, once again, I would use when posting jobs on Upwork that, you know, just little things like that because it shows that you've paid attention to detail and then you can go into, like you're saying, you know, using a snippet or text expander or copy and paste for a core proposal and then just refining it to the job post. Oh, I see you sell shoes. I see you sell sneakers. I see you sell dresses. I can help with this, blah, blah, blah. And, and you're just, you know, all you're trying to do at that point is engage them in the conversation. You know what I mean? That's what you're trying to do. Get them like get them to read it and go, yes, this person looks like they might be the right person for the job. So. Well, some, something I've found that works really well is a lot of the time I don't even use a proposal. I'll sort of ask a question. I'll just say, oh, I've noticed um, on your website you're, you're saying X, Y, and Z. Why are you saying this? And it, it gets them, oh, okay, well, everyone else is proposing, like, giving me a proposal. This guy's asking me a question they sort of reply to the question and then you get into a conversation and then through that conversation, you end up winning the work. And I say, just because you're different and you've actually asked the question and you've actually shown that you have take, taken sort of a bit of time to actually look at what they're doing and stuff. And yeah, I've won a lot of work just by asking questions, to be honest. So. Hello, there you go. Solid tip. Ask a question. Don't just use blanket <laughs> proposal. <laughs> yeah. Daniel, look, thank you very much for coming on. So where can people find you on the internet if somebody wanted to get in touch or maybe hire you to talk about? The- um, well, just look at LinkedIn for Daniel Hall. I, I run Vinny Vidi Vici. Obviously, you'll find me on Upwork. And my new book is The Million Dollar Freelancer, which you can buy from October the 2nd on Amazon. So go out there and buy it, everyone, please. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, that's how you get in contact with me. Absolutely. Look, Daniel, thank you. I'll make sure to link everything up in the show notes. And when the book is released, I'll share it um, out across social media and, you know, on the website and everything as well. So thank you. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Okay. Thanks, Adam. Um, Thanks, everyone. Um, Yeah. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening to the Digital Nomad Cafe podcast. Head over to the website to access the resources and links mentioned in today's episode at digitalnomadcafe.com.